Welcome to the Grip City Golf Podcast, your source for new information, insightful interviews, and good old-fashioned banter about golf in Portland, Oregon. Today's episode is presented by Brink and Brown Sanitation. Introducing the hosts of Grip City Golf, Andy Dirt Johnson and Eric Peterson. Hey, what's happening, everybody? Episode six of the Grip City Golf Podcast. Andy Dirt Johnson, Eric Peterson. We are hanging out. We're back live on location. And we're on location, and the the sun, I think, is out today. It's out. It's out. We're, this is our sixth episode. <laughs> I feel like juice, man. Like, I feel like we're <laughs> this thing is off and running now. Like, the first few episodes, we were kind of like... All right, let's see if we can get a guest. Let's see if we can make this fun. And now I feel like I me at least I have my sea legs under me a little bit more. The golf, the weather's getting a little bit better to go out and play golf. I just feel like the future is bright. I if you had any questions about my dedication to this podcast, doing one on a 65 degree Tuesday when we haven't had good weather, I could be out playing golf yeah. right now. But no, we are hanging out at Jones Golf and I got to tell you man, so I I own a Jones Golf hat. We'll have Matt Lemon on the CEO here in a moment. I own a Jones Golf hat. I know a lot of people that own uh, that own Jones golf gear, have Jones golf bags. They're big in the bag game. Huge yeah. in the bag game. Being here at the facility, man, it is, this is sweet, dude. Like, you know, it's another reason why I'm so glad that we started this podcast, at least for me and, and you and other people more plugged into golf have more knowledge of this kind of stuff. But for me as a guy who has played and don't know a lot about the companies around here, like pulling into this office space and looking at their factory and stuff, this place is badass, man. And it's just, it's incredible that it's right in our backyard. Yeah. And actually, I don't know if I've told you this, but when we started talking about the idea of doing a golf podcast and we were kind of, we were in agreement that there's so many cool courses, there's so much history in Portland, there's so many stories to tell. My mind shifted next after that to all the cool businesses that are here. And I kid you not, Jones was like the first one I thought of. Um, it helped because I'm friends with Matt, but um, Jones is such a cool company that uh, golfers in Portland, both young and old, certainly know about. You know, they've got that the iconic classic um, design and the attributes of their stuff that they've kept. Um, it's it's such a cool business and it's fun to know that that all started in Portland. I want to know more about the backstory. So we'll talk with Matt here in a moment. How, how did you meet Matt? What's the backstory there? Yeah. So I, when I first moved back to Portland from Orlando, you know, I was born and raised here, but after college moved to Florida for six years. And when I moved back to Portland, you know, that was like, I'm from here originally, but that was like my first time being an adult living in Portland, which sounds kind of funny to think about, but that like, I didn't know a whole lot of people at that point. And so I just went to a, a social event at the Multnomah Athletic Club, really just with the intent of just like mixing it up and like maybe trying to find some guys to play basketball with or something. And I just see this dude standing over across the bar wearing a tour visor, a big, tall tour visor. And I was literally fresh off the airplane from Florida where tour visors abound like pastels sure seersucker like that's all like <laughs> yeah. that happens a, a lot out there but in portland not so much so when i saw this dude wearing a tall like white tour visor <laughs> i just thought i have no idea who that is but i want to go introduce myself <laughs> so i just went up and started talking to him and found out that it was matt lemon with jones golf and he was so humble and um, just enthusiastic about like learning who i am and and where i'm from and where i play golf and we just hit it off immediately and we became really good buddies ever since then. And ever since we had a family and kids that we don't get to see each other as much, but every time I hang out with him, you know how you have certain friends where every time you hang out with them or every time you play golf with them, you feel like good things are going to happen. 
That's the vibe I get from Matt. And so I knew about Jones, but I'd never done like a deep dive into his actual business and what goes on here. So that's why I just thought we got to talk with this guy. I love that story. And you're going to, you guys are going to visor shame me because you both have good visor heads and I don't have a visor head, but it's okay. You got, we can, I'll, I'll, I'll see if I can come around on the visors, if we can find one that fits. Uh, let's bring them on, put the headset on Matt Lemon, the CEO of Jones Sports and Jones Golf. All right, Matt. Well, first off, thanks for having us here, man. I am uh, I'm an owner of a Jones Golf Hat, and it's so cool to have a local company like this, and it's awesome to kind of come check out the facility and see what you guys got going on. I want to start, though. We, we fire rapid questions at you before we get to anything Jones Golf, okay? All right, fire away. Let's do it. What's your home course? Oswego Lake Country Club. Oswego nice. Lake Country Club. Okay, what's your handicap? Uh, right now, it's a .7. Holy shit. <laughs> okay. Uh, what's your current driver? Uh, Sim TaylorMade. Sim TaylorMade. Irons? PXG. Putter? Scotty Cameron. Scotty Cameron. All right, there you go. We now know Matt Lemon's golf game. Yeah. So are we, are we going to ask him how far he hits it off the tee? How far do you hit it off the I tee? I dink it around. I call it the slap. It's just <laughs> a putter slap. It goes about 275 if I hit it good. I think it goes farther. Than that. I've played with him, and it goes farther. Yeah, than I'm, that. I think you're sandbagging me right now. Well, let's go with, play with that handicap. We might have to get out there. So, I mean, this is so cool. Like, for those who don't know the backstory of Jones Golf, and they just know, like, hey, I'm rocking a hat, or hey, I see it on Instagram or Twitter. Like, what, how did this come about? What's the connection? Like, what, what's the story behind Jones Golf? So, it's an old 1971 heritage brand that was actually founded here in Portland, Oregon. Uh, it was founded by George Jones, who's actually, he's still living in Lake Oswego, Oregon. I think he's probably close to 86 years old. But um, yeah, he started it back in the day. Uh, he was an old cab driver who actually cobbled his first Jones bag out of the back of his seat, believe it or not. So he ripped yeah. apart the upholstery? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. yeah. And he was an inventor kind of before his time. Like he actually invented the first stand bag back in the 80s and had a whole bunch of patents before all the big names like Ping and Titleist started making bags. So That's a wild backstory. Yeah. And if you played high school or college golf in the 70s and 80s, you most likely carried a Jones. They had roughly 70% of the market share. So it was kind of the bag back in the day. They were like into bags before bags were cool. Like now totally. you look at golf bags as kind of an accessory item that you have as part of your whole ensemble. But Back in the day when, like like you said before, Ping and the other companies got into it, it was like Jones and nobody else almost, right? It was very recognizable too. Yeah. Like it has, you know, a lot of aspects of the bag. Like if you'll notice our fur top and the buckles that we use, um, that was something that he always used in every every uh, generation of his bags. And we, we'd like to keep that going. But um, yeah, if, if you played a Jones, you kind of knew it was a Jones. That's wild that, that not only the golf bag company starting in Portland, but the stand on the bag and yeah. the history there. Like you just think about how normal of a thing that is in day-to-day -day life, not connecting the dots that maybe that came from Portland. So when did the, the linkage come with you and the family? Like how did that all go down and how long have you guys been a part of it? So George sold it back in 2003, I believe it was, to uh, Yoshida who's actually a um, entrepreneur here in um, Portland, Oregon, who bought his, or excuse me, sold his sauce to Kraft and made a whole bunch of money, <laughs> his Yoshida sauce, oh, right. and kind of became an entrepreneur and bought and sold a whole bunch of different companies. And Jones was kind of one of them. He basically bought Jones to um, buy the building and the warehouse, but he got into the golf industry <laughs> that way. Wow. Yeah, and he ended up taking it overseas because everything used to be manufactured here in Portland back in the day mm -hmm. and changed the logo and just kind of, I guess, 
took out the soul of what Jones was and it kind of just diminished. Um, so my brother and my dad and I had the idea of uh, bringing back the old Jones brand and it was kind of just sitting there with him. So we went to him and uh, sure enough, we bought the name. And what year was that that you guys finally officially jumped in? That was 2011. Okay, so going on 11 years. Just over 10 years ago. Does it seem like the last 10 years have flown by? Yeah, definitely. (laughs) Definitely. (laughs) How how much has the just day-to-day of your life changed in 10 years? And how much have you, from where it was, because I'm trying to think of my recollection of Jones Golf 10 years ago, like just how much has the company changed in the last decade? Quite a bit. I mean, we've had a steady growth, nothing crazy, but, you know, we've grown very well organically. Um, Mm -hmm. Just, you know, revenue has grown about 20 to 35% a year over the past 10 years. And we're up to, I think it's 16 employees now. And we started off at just my brother and my dad and I and Chris Carnahan, which is actually my business partner. Uh, him and I are the only two partners left. So, uh, yeah, that's that's kind of how it's grown. <laughs> it's grown a ton, yeah. man. So when you started it 11 years ago, say, and there was probably a lot of stuff that you kind of didn't know what you didn't know at that point, right? What, what were some of the things that you learned right away about just being in this business? Like some of the things that were really hard, maybe some of the things that were just fun and easy, easier. Were there some things that you remember back then? Yeah, absolutely. So how we started was we wanted to bring back the original Jones, which was kind of like the icon from back in the day. It was the carry bag I showed you out in the warehouse. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was the bag back in the day that kind of the the head pros connected with that are in like the 45 to 55 year old range. Um, so we had the idea of, of just hitting the, hitting the floor running with going after the green grass roots, which is a, a better, uh, better word for uh, pro shops. So that was kind of our main business model and attack in the beginning um, to just kind of go after those. Um, luckily when we first started Instagram um, first came out too. So that was kind of our way to plug in and, be cool with the younger generations. <laughs> right. Yeah. To connect to different to different levels of golfer. And we were just having a conversation and the, the backstory is crazy, but you guys now have a bag on tour. So like I did walk, you know, somebody who knows nothing about that, how that comes about, what the contact is like. I mean, who's the golfer? How did that go down? And, and how cool is that for Jones Golf to have that? It's uh, Morgan Hoffman, who's actually making his comeback. Uh, if you don't know his story, there's a, a great article in Golf Digest um, about his kind of battle with muscular dystrophy. And he was, you know, the number one golfer coming out of college back in, I don't want to say the wrong year, but I think it was 2015 ish. Okay. Um, so yeah, he's, he's on the rise. He's come back. Um, so, you know, we've, uh, we've developed a relationship with him through our good friends over at Grace and Clothiers. Um, so, you know, he came to us and said, Hey, we want to carry your bag, um, on tour on my comeback. I was like, yeah, you got it. Let's do it. Let's so, go. Yeah, so that's kind of how we jumped onto the tour <laughs> tour scene. What's it been like working with Morgan? I know his story is really inspiring, just as a golfer. But just when you when you talk about what he what, kind of his style and what he looks for in accessories and golf bags and stuff, like what he's what was just that like? he's a he's a dude's dude. Like he's just a great guy. Um, yeah. Where's he from again? He went to Oklahoma State. Okay. So I think he's from that area. Okay. Yeah. I mean, and he's like a thoroughbred, like you said, the, be- the number one player coming out of college. Absolutely. Like this isn't some guy great, that was just an also player. ran. Like he was a big deal. Played in the Masters. I think his first year out on tour um, was had a very promising future ahead of him and then got diagnosed with muscular dystrophy. I mean, that's an amazing story. And comeback stories are always fun. And the fact that you guys are a part of that, that must mean a lot. I 
Do you ever have dreams of of seeing him win a PGA Tour Absolutely. event and ha- yeah. like having it be with yeah. Jones on? Absolutely. I mean, I mean, cool, we just want to see him make a cut at first. Sure. Like, just get his, you know, get his groove back. And yeah. I, he definitely has the game to do it in the drive. So uh, I wouldn't be surprised if we do see him hoist a trophy someday. That'd be pretty sweet to see yeah. the Jones golf bag on the on the 18th green. Is you know you're getting the hugs and the celebration. Now that it's, it's Jones Sports Company. So Correct. do you do you guys branch out outside of golf? Do you do stuff outside of the individual sport? Uh, mainly we do with lifestyle bags like duffels and backpacks and kind of gear like that. Um, not to say that there's, you know, an avenue that we could take going forward, say tennis or something like that down the road. But no, primarily that's what it was named from George Jones back in the day. So we're just continuing the lineage. There. Gotcha. So what goes on within these four walls, Matt? I know there's, we saw in the back, you've got, you're doing embroidery. There's, you've got the stack to the rafters of um, shipments and stuff coming in. What, what exactly goes on in here? Is it everything from design on the back of a napkin on the, all the way through to you're doing embroidery and shipping it out to customers? Absolutely. Wow. Yeah. It's a one-stop shop. I mean, our warehouse is our production facility, our distribution center, where we keep all the product that's made overseas. Um, and then you see in the office area, it's kind of like a bullpen where we do everything from designing the golf bags to the sales team in the corner to um, doing content with Instagram and stuff in the middle. I got to imagine that's pretty cool because I know a lot of buddies, obviously, that golf and that are in your normal weekend, you know, guys groups. And I have a Jones hat. Like, what's it like for you to be, whether it's out at Lake Oswego, whether it's playing another course, if you see somebody walking up with a Jones bag or a Jones hat, that has to be kind of a cool moment. It's very, very satisfying to see Jones in the wild. Yeah. No doubt. <laughs> see somebody walking up like, no doubt. hey, I made, I made that bag. Especially I'm, the hats, too. The I, hats, I, I, yeah. I've, I've always been a hat guy, so I've got a, a special... Now walk me behind the logo. Like what what goes in? Because I the logo I recognize it, but I don't know anything about it. Okay, so that is a logo that we came up with, and it's our utility series logo, and it kind of has uh, a few different elements within golf. So if you see around it, there's a J that wraps around the outside. There's a pin flag to the left there. There's a, a tree in the middle, and then there's also bunker bunker rake. I can kind of send you like okay, I got it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, but I could I could break it down for you. Because I've I, on my hat I have that logo and I've always wondered like I know it's Jones and every time I see the logo I know it's Jones and I've never been able to connect the dots there. That's one we brought to the table and we're proud of it. Maybe church pew bunkers at Oakmont there on the right. You ever get <laughs> yeah, that connotation? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So what what have the last two years been like for you? I mean I know when we talk to people in the golf industry because of COVID it's been crazy. But as Eric and I have kind of highlighted on the podcast, it feels like it's one of the industries that has really thrived. Now there's economic things of you know supply chain and all that that's you know out of your control but just in terms of the interest in the sport and and the way things have grown or changed evolved in the last two years what what is what has that been like for you it's definitely been the most challenging two years uh thus far um not to say that it hasn't been a a good two years uh golf is very hot you know obviously you saw everyone you know kind of bracing themselves with what's my business going to be like if the country shuts down and you know golf is one of those sports where it was covid friendly right so people it was like the only thing we could do the only thing we could do outside of those yeah. damn uh rakes and the ball washers those were covid traps you couldn't uh, touch those yeah. <laughs> and the pins too can't forget the pins looking, looking back on that can you believe that <laughs> I've but, gotten used to golfing with the pendant now. I don't even take it out anymore. Oh yeah, like, we, our club did it where it was like it was like a croquet thing, right? It was just like the cup was raised two inches, and you just had to bang the cup. <laughs> so you literally that. just ram twelve footers yeah. from like 
you know, if you miss it, whatever, you could try and make the comeback. Or you just but started on the right stupid. line. Yeah, You're my making birdies. Went way down, and it was not a good scenario. <laughs> I know Matt; he's a golf purist, like <laughs> sure. I kind of am too, and stuff yeah. like that. Just it I can't yeah. grind your gears. Yeah, because you you don't miss an eight footer. It's yeah. stupid. I right? had a buddy who shot a sixty eight in the middle of COVID, and he texted our group chat, and he was like. I'm not going to count this, but... <laughs> well, they were making us post at the yeah, club. Yeah, I was like, you got to, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah, Max in here was the best at it. He was making everything. He had a couple 63s or something <laughs> stupid, so he got up to a plus six, and he's like, oh, this is not good. COVID course record. It's yeah. like a, a different column. <laughs> yeah, sure, it's, it's a, not, put not an good. asterisk by it. But, I mean, the golf, the interest in golf has risen in the last two years, so you've seen that. But what about the more economic side of that the last two years and just how tough that's been trying to navigate yeah, it? Yeah, so Sales went up, right? You know, people are still swiping up. People are still buying. Golf clubs are ordering. Um, but yeah, then dealing with the supply chain issue, that's definitely been the biggest challenge to date. Um, I think I was telling you earlier, you know, we just launched our Trooper R series that we are uh, very proud of, but it took, you know, five extra months to get here. It was supposed to be in October and it didn't get here until April. And, you know, here we are trying to play catch up, but yeah, you know, it's it's a good problem to have, you know. If we're not we're not going to complain because I know a lot of other industries went through a serious struggle. So and during that five months, you probably didn't know if it was going to come in a month or in two months or oh, yeah. ever. Yeah. You know, you we're start to wonder worst case scenario. Looking at your inbox every Monday and oh. checking for a factory update, hope, hoping for the best. <laughs> hoping it's going to be yeah, yeah the announcement you just want. Another delay, another delay, another. So delay. so you mentioned new products coming out. What are some of the other things that you guys are excited about as we're we're now jumping into the the golf season for mm-hmm. the season? What are you what are you excited about? So we just launched our sustainable uh, material, which we're, we're really excited about. It's made out of recycled materials like plastic and stuff. And it took uh, probably three years to, s- to source this material. And uh, my business partner, Chris Carnahan, who's kind of led the, uh, the charge on that, um, is very excited to finally get these here. We have a bunch of new colorways that you're probably not going to see uh, in the industry. You know, we got like this Sienna burnt orange. We have this clay green to the top left here that's really popular. And then our La Creme Off-White is kind of my favorite one right there. Um, so that's that's kind of what we have in right now. And then we also have our classic stand bag, which we've had in the line since, you know, we've, we've brought back the brand. We're doing a, a pinstripe bag, which is going to have a really cool look. Kind of has like a New York Yankees look, which I can kind of show you later. <laughs> is that the Trooper bag? No, it's the classic stand bag. Oh, it's just a classic strap, stand, okay. but it's a stand. It's kind cool. of one we re- revamped um, that George made back in the 80s. I've had my Jones Trooper for three years now and absolutely love it. Still kicking? Well, and the thing is, is it's like, it's not, I look at it and I'm like, oh, it'd be cool to have a shiny new object, but I'm like, nothing about this doesn't work. It looks, it it's still perfect. looks classic. Like, like you've done. said, Matt, like that Jones just maintains that classic look where no matter if it's a new product or if it's, if it was made in the seventies, it has some of that similar DNA to it. And so it's hard to justify getting a new one for me because it still works, but I want something, especially when you see the product, you're like, I know. and then when there's new colorways and stuff and it, especially new materials, well then we must not be doing our job right. Cause I want you to get one every year. I know I should. <laughs> you're I making should. the product too good, man. You can, it's, it's like the well, iPhone. You got to make it fall apart is, after is a year. For me, it, it's very timely. Like in the design is, is classic. And I think it just comes down to me for like, I just want the new thing. And I imagine a lot of golfers are that way where the, and that's why being on Instagram and being such a being so good at that is really helpful because you can, 
shine light on new products and new stuff that you're doing that, that makes people be like, I need to swipe up and I need to get that. Well, and that's the funny thing too, is we like to compare them to men's purses, right? Like you can never have enough purses if you're a woman, right? So why not have you know, totally. more, I mean, more golf bags in the that's garage? A, that's, that you can switch out, that's a good right? way to sell it to your you wife know, too, like, right? I right. need my carry bag for the summer. I need <laughs> my, my, my stand bag for the fall and, you know, maybe have another pretty one in there. And she could never that's, do, that's your wife could never argument. do like an inventory <laughs> comparison because like, you're, are you going to have as many golf bags as she has purses? Never. I'm yeah. never going to top that number. Yeah. And they go in the garage. They don't go in the closet. Exactly. Yeah. I'm not <laughs> taking up space inside the house. I got a cubby. This is brilliant marketing right here. Why didn't I think, I'm going to go home and tell my wife that tonight. Why'd you come home with a Jones golf bag today? Well, how many purses do you he have? told me I needed another one. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, on that note though, of like where you guys are growing and the new products out, like where it's been 10 years, where five, five, 10 years from now, where do you want to see Jones be at? We're really trying to scale on D2C right now. That's kind of where our most opportunity is, is growing um, through ad spend and just getting more eyeballs when you see in the swipe up. Uh, our wholesale channel has steadily grown. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have a great sales team inside here that kind of hits the phones and is making sure we're pumping out member guests and corporate events all throughout the season. Um, so that's that's steady. But yeah, the real opportunity for us is is you know really growing our D2C business. Is that re- the challenge with that? I would imagine is is getting in like with influencers or just getting in front of like Correct. visibility wise in front of a big audience, Correct. right? Yeah, and that's a tough nut to crack, right? I mean, you got to <laughs> play with big players. You got to maybe hit some, get kind of get lucky almost sometimes, right? In terms of exposure, totally. And yeah, so it can be very hit or miss. Totally. That's, that's the business of it. It's it's tough. Yeah, it's kind of, it's wild for me as a somebody outside of the obvious golf industry, seeing the influencers on Instagram and how big a followings that they have and how many of them that there are. You know, the, the that's nasty guy. Uh, I can't remember his name off the top of my head, but he just blew up. I feel like there's 30,000 hot chicks on my Instagram feed constantly that are just showing shots of them hitting drivers, like dudes drinking in a golf cart, like having conversations. It's crazy how many influencers and how those two kind of industries have really molded together. It's a wild game. <laughs> It really is. You got to find influence. We need to become influencers, man. We're in the long, wrong line of work. Too late to the party. Easier said than done. I'm too old. Yeah, and I'm too dull. Yeah. Said than done. I don't know how that sparks too. Like, I'm not attractive how do enough. Get those, yeah. those followings. So, do, Matt, do you guys see yourself? Are there any specific product lines that you want to try to? You can make more of an impact in, or do you feel like from a product line standpoint, you kind of have your groove? It's just a matter of getting more distribution. We definitely have our groove with with bags. Um, I think you'll you'll see something coming in the future. Um, I think we're gonna we're gonna head down to the apparel line. Um, I think it's time to kind of dip our hands in that and see see where we go. That's exciting. So where can people go to find out more about products? Where where do we need to send them? Jonesportscompany.com or jonesportsco.com. Jonesportsco.com. They're also big on Instagram too. Very. I know. I I know. I I got the follow. I got I got the click right there. (laughs) I need to swipe up more though. I only have one Jones golf hat, and it's uh it's a it's kind of the hard headed flat bill one, which I love. But summertime, I don't like to wear it because it gets a little hot. So I need I need a yeah I need a new lid. We'll step back. You're very sensitive about hat and visor. Very sensitive. We need to just get you one and. just go. I'm just going to push you onto the first tee and you're just going to make it happen. <laughs> just got to put it on. I'm very self-conscious about this, you know, and I don't have enough hats that match the rest of the outfit. I'm big on the golf outfit, but the hat, it's always, you know, I got like an Under Armour shirt and I'm wearing a Nike hat with it. I feel weird. 
even though I'm not getting paid by them, it doesn't make any Just sense. Just hang out with this guy, Matt. He'll make you feel <laughs> He's going to make me a visor guy. I got a good feeling about this. All right, let, let's close this up. We like to do a, a segment we call Driver Off the Deck, where we just fire things at you, and you could do first thing that comes to mind. You can expand one word, doesn't matter, however you want to do it. Uh, and I, I know you're a member in your home course, but what's your favorite course in Portland? Oswego Lake Country Club. Oswego Lake Country Biased. Club. Been there since I was seven years old. Is that, that where you, is that where you learned the game? That's where I grew where you grow? Up. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. That'll do it. What about the most underrated course in Portland? I think that's right there, too. Wow. Yeah. I think Waverly and Portland Golf Club get a lot of hype just because they're so old, and yeah. they are amazing. But uh, Oswego Lake, what's great about it is it's different every time you play it. There's not a flat lie on the course. The greens are always good. Shout out to Nolan, our greenskeeper. Um, yeah, I mean, Oswego Lake. Have you played there, Dirk? I've never played there before. All right, no. so. All right well, we'll, we'll make this happen. And visors, three visor guys. It's a good huh? traveling handicap. <laughs> okay, yeah, if I'd you like can that. learn to play golf there, <laughs> you're going to be, be okay. Uh, go ahead and make me feel bad about my golf game. What's your lowest round? Not non-COVID. Non-COVID, round, right? yeah. yeah. Non-COVID <laughs> counties. Yeah, this, I'm washed now, but uh, I've got 364s. <sighs> Where are those? Oswego, Pronghorn, and Stone Creek. Dirt loves Stone Creek. I'm a big Stone, Stone Pronghorn's great. great, too. Pronghorn's a good good, good track. Uh, most enjoyable round you've ever played? Uh, recently, I've gone to this place called Ohoopy a few times. Oh, you've uh, been to the Match out, Club? Yeah. It's out in Georgia. Uh, oh, man, it's so good. <laughs> That's so cool, so man. Yeah, we, should, so we need to have another pot about 20, this. I've heard about it. It 21 holes, and there's three different routes, and it's all match play. You don't record scores there. The, the the tagline of it is no one cares what you shot so you just play matches within the group that you're playing with and it's it's the coolest golf experience i've ever been a part of that and it's 21 holes yeah okay it's really cool tickle me intrigued that sounds like a good I mean, time you play 18 there's routes of 18 okay okay but there's there's 21 holes with three different routes that you can take <laughs> who'd, you, who'd you play with do you play it with some fun i players? played with morgan cool. <laughs> played with morgan out there uh yeah we were recently out there for uh, the Grayson deal, and yeah, they have, you know, I think thirty-two guys, and they play this Ryder Cup format, and it's it's epic. There's <laughs> only forty people that can sleep their own property at once, um, and the food is a joke. It's yeah, oh, who beats the spot? <laughs> How do you get there? Uh, fly to Atlanta, and then it's three-hour drive. Wow, yeah, just out in the middle of nowhere to get there. <laughs> wow, yeah, yeah, it's a trek. All right, let's change. zebras on property. I got <laughs> no, there aren't. Yeah. yeah. Just yeah. living there? Yeah, Mike Walrath, the, the guy. Sorry. He's the head investor at Grayson, and this oh, is his spot awesome. that he basically just built for himself and his homies. Wow. And oh, so it, the one of the Grayson, the original Grayson guy, that, that's the, his the club. Investor, the head investor, that's his club. Wow, I didn't know that. Yeah. He just got zebras. He brought in zebras. I mean, why not, right? Yeah, he brought in zebras. It sounds like he was going to bring cool in thing. giraffes, but I guess he would have had to move him to Arizona <laughs> in, the, in the summer because it would have been too right, cold. The humidity or, or whatever. Yeah, yeah you yeah, can't handle that. <laughs> All right, yeah. so if the if the best rule in golf is having zebras on the course. Oh, what, that is amazing. What's the worst rule in golf? I mean, the divot rule, right? If you're ball lands in a divot in the middle of the fairway we, we've talked that. about that yeah. Amen. i mean come on yeah give me a break we're I better mean, than that yeah if you pipe it down the middle and you're in a divot that's not fair what's your biggest golfing pet peeve slow play yeah yeah smart guy right Keep here it moving. smart guy we get Keep along i'm gonna get along with this guy I think. he even does his I podcast mean, it's okay to fast. be methodical but you sure got, you got to be self-aware there's some people i'll play with and they're just not self-aware of what's going on and when it's your turn, you got to be ready to go. Whether that be in your group or the group behind yeah. you. Don't 
don't start your pre-shot routine after I've gone. Yeah. You need to be in the Shoot middle your of number, yeah. get your glove you're on, ready. have your you're club ready. ready, couple of swings, let's go. <laughs> fire, fire away. <laughs> One course that doesn't carry Jones, you mentioned direct-to-consumer, but one course that doesn't carry Jones now, but you'd love to get into. Bandon. I've always struggled with them. The, the preserve and the trail shop has some in there, but I'd love to be in Bandon and Pacific yeah. and all the shops in there. They, they don't have, sell a ton of golf bags anyway. No, they, they? and they have such a good relationship with McKenzie. Yeah. So they kind of sell that high-end bag in there, but yeah. We sell a few things in trails. Okay. It's funny that it would like two of the courses and like, I know there's a different, you know, pro shop basically at every course, but two of them. And then they got the other ones you're trying to get into. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's tough to leave a golf course with uh, a golf bag. Sure. Especially if like a, a destination resort like that, right? <laughs> right? For the people that are flying in. Yeah. yeah go ahead. Yeah. Throw it in my carry on. Yeah. Uh, let's do a quick this or that. Foot joy or Jordan? Jordan. Hat or visor? Uh, both. <laughs> I see. I thought you were just visor. I was. I was when we first met. I was. Yeah. I was. What but, What happened, dude? I don't know, dude. We make cool hats. That's true. That's true. You do. Is Jones yeah. not in the visor game? Uh, we We do a little you bit. You get a little. Yeah, okay. You we dabble do a little bit. All right. Uh, stripes or solid? Oh, stripes. Black or hot pink? I love these. <laughs> Black. Okay. Black. Murdered. Murdered out. All right, let's let's get a little bit more serious and to wrap this up. What's some golf advice that what's what's the best golf advice you've ever received? Whether it be a lesson or something, maybe your approach to the game, something like that. Uh keep it simple, stupid is always a good one. You know, don't have too many thoughts in your mind. Just have one or two and just go. Um and if you're playing bad, who cares? I I I grew up trying to play professional golf or thinking I was going to be a tour player. And then I ended up, you know, not liking golf as much as I should. And at one point, I just stopped caring, and that has helped so much. You probably play a little better sometimes. Yeah. With oh, that yeah. Mindset. Oh, yeah. It clicks. It's yeah. amazing what that what it can do to your Don't game. Don't care. Yeah. Just I'll, out there I'll, having I'll fun. I'll drop one F-bomb. Don't give a fuck. There you go. What's What's O'Hoopy's slogan again? No one cares what you shot. No one Yeah. <laughs> that's, a, that's a good model I for golf. Like nobody cares what you shot. Yeah. Do you yeah. play good today? My, Somebody my business partner, around. Chris Carnahan, told me early on, too, you're not your number. You know, you're not the number you shot. No one cares. Yeah. <laughs> That's a good – I love that. What's uh, the best business advice you've ever received? The best business advice I've ever received would probably be just get your ass in gear. And that was from my grandfather. I wake up every day, and I, I drink my coffee, and I go to work, and I grind. Get your ass in gear. Get your ass in yeah, gear. It's simple and to the point. I yeah. love that. Uh, and then last but not least, who's your pick to win the PGA? Scotty Scheffler, probably. He's hot and he likes that course. He does. But I'm pulling for Tiger always. You have to, right? 40 <laughs> to 1, to. lock a bet in. He, looks, mean, he looks good. He, he looks better than he did at Augusta. Yeah. Augusta. We need so. to get rid of his monster bag, get him a Jones bag. <sighs> yeah. Now we're talking. I'd love to know what that costs. <laughs> Now we're talking. Matt he, Lemon. He doesn't play enough to, to give you guys the exposure that you could get elsewhere. Oh, but his eyeballs, I think, would make up for it, You though. can see that monster bag, though. <laughs> that thing's yeah. loud. I love, he's, well, most guys do have the, the club provider as their, their bag, and I just love him walking around the course with a big monster energy yeah. logo. Like, all right, that's a random one. I don't one. think I've ever seen him drink one. <laughs> I haven't either. He probably doesn't. <laughs> it's like he didn't drive a Buick either. Matt exactly. Lemon, the CEO of Jones Sports Company. Well, thanks, man, for hopping on the pod. This was a ton of fun. Thanks, boys. Appreciate thanks, it. Thanks, man. Good to see you. All right.
All right, boys. That was awesome. He, I, I see what you were saying before we brought him on about how he just—he's an easygoing guy, easy to get along with. You just—you get good vibes from him, and it's amazing what they're doing to Jones and having to navigate all the economic hurdles right now and everything that's going on. It's—it's it's really cool how they're continuing to grow, grow the company, and and push towards the future with not only new bags, which are all amazing to get a look at here in person, but also to kind of branch out into the apparel. The sky's the limit for a great local company. I feel like we're in a candy store right now. I do too. I want to just like grab something. I want to take a bunch of stuff home, man. Yeah. And (laughs) just sitting here talking with Matt, like what I love and not, this is a a quality that not everybody has where they're able to balance the really stressful stuff about running a business with the ability to then flip a switch and be able to just talk shop with boys. Like I felt like we were just at the 19th hole, like on the patio at East Moreland, just talking shop with someone about golf and just grabbing a beer. Yeah. Just being able to balance those two. And and he had to jet out of here right when we were done and and go do some embroidery. He's running the machines right now in the back. You know, he's not, (laughs) he's not going home to call today. He's going in the back to work hard. Not heading to Oswego Country Club, at least not yet, but we'll have to get out there and play because I've never played out there before. Uh, and, and something that, you know, I, I think that stood out to both of us in talking to him, and this is something that a lot of companies struggle with, and I almost feel like there's a, there's a larger thing there. It's like a micro-macro thing in the game of golf right now of appealing to and you know, trying to satisfy and please your older golfers who are used to the game being a certain way. You you call them OGs, if you will, who've yeah. been around a long time. And using Jones as an example, like the the historical nature of Jones bags and seeing some of those old school bags, man. There's an Augusta one in there, some Ducks ones. Like those are sweet. But also transitioning to like, hey, we're advertising on Instagram and we're getting people who are 23, 24 years old that are into golf, like that's a really tough needle to thread and it feels like they're, they're able to do it. Yeah. And I couldn't agree more. The, I think that what's cool about their bags are they've, they've still got the iconic staples, like the buckle that goes around the, um, the top (laughs) and the, the furry top to the bag. You know, those are Jones staples that are on their bags today, just like they were back in the early seventies when this company first started. And like you said, that's a tough needle to thread Uh, when you're talking about trying to appeal to two different demographics. Drastically different. And they do them both well. I mean, I feel like you could see your dad walking around with a Jones bag that he bought in in 1975. And then in the same fairway, you could be walking side by side with the brand new trooper that just came out. Or Um, a flat bill Jones hat. Yeah. Yeah. And how many, how many brands in any category, let alone in golf are able to do both of those at the same time? I think that's pretty awesome. It's and it, it's definitely an inspiration. And um, again, I just think it's so cool that we get to say that that's in Portland. It, it's, uh, I'm picturing some dude in the 1970s and 80s ripping up an old backseat of a cab, turning it into a golf bag. And here we are in 2022 in a warehouse making golf equipment. It's amazing, amazing story and a great local company that's continuing to grow. And if you ever get challenged into a, a golf match against the employees of Jones, Turn it down. <laughs> Turn it down because they incredible. will whoop your ass. The handicaps here are, are absolutely insane. Now, he highlighted on something there. A couple of things we want to get to this week on the pod. Just kind of a quick turn and burn one. The PGA starting uh, this week, and so we will touch on that in a moment. He highlighted Ohoopy Match Club. Now, did I say that right? Yeah. Ohoopy Match Club. I have never heard of this before, and it kind of leads down a, a, a wormhole of like m- mysterious courses that you've heard about 
that you've never, like, I don't really know a lot about it, but I've heard the name, I've heard the phrase, a place that I want to go play, because I'd never heard of a hoopie, and now my mind is racing yeah, up, like, where I, the, what the hell is I this? Know, and I know, and I don't know much about it either. I, I've just heard of it, and I, the, the setup that Matt talked about is unique, and, and they're big on experiential golf, and that's, a, that's kind of a new frontier in golf, where it's less about perfect manicured grass and, and the, um, the amenities, so to speak, that, that maybe used to be really appreciated aren't as much with white tablecloths and stuff like that. It's more about <laughs> right, like right. people that just love golf. And Bandon, I think, was probably one of the early adopters of that philosophy and caused that shift in the golf industry and what people look for. But yeah, it, it does <laughs> seem like, and partly because I've never been there and I don't know much about it, but what goes on there at Ohoopi, just see, it just seems like this mythical <laughs> land. There's zebras running around well, the fairway? And, yeah, how about that? <laughs> like, what? And it, it honestly, as he was saying that dirt, it reminded me of um, the sheep ranch down at Bandon mm. before it became an actual uh, uh, golf course on the property. It was just a lot of our listeners probably remember this, that it was, it had kind of the, a skeleton of the, like the framework for a golf course, but there was no routing. There were green complexes, but it was just kind of, th- it was just kind of naturally growing. It was a sheep ranch, you know, like sure. that's how the name came about. And that was a place that, when I worked down there, people would ask me about it, like, hey, what's up with Sheep Ranch? And like, what goes on over there? And I would just honestly tell them that, hey, it's just not really affiliated with the resort. I had nothing to hide, but I also didn't have much to say. And it would cause a lot of people. And I, I was interacting with sports writers and stuff that wanted a story. And so they would like, they're like, what are you, come on, Eric, what are you talking about? Come like, on, what's man. going on over there? Give me the backstory. And I would just laugh it off and because there wasn't really much going on there. And everything that people probably know today about um, how Sheep Ranch came about was honestly true. It just sort of sat there in a nascent stage for a long time. But it, <laughs> when Matt was talking about Ohoopy and you and I were looking at each other like, what is this? Like, I, it, I was flashing <laughs> back to like when sports writers would ask me about uh, Sheep Ranch. So um, I would love to go check out Ohoopy. Hell like, yeah. It's I'm in like in, backwards dude. Georgia, which Let's is go. like. What did he say? You fly into Atlanta and About drive a three for three hour hours? drive. That's not too bad. If you just have to drive for three hours straight without seeing anything in Georgia, like, you know, it's remote. <laughs> You're in the middle of nowhere. I feel like the course for me right now that I've heard a lot about, but it's like you just hear the one anecdote of it, but I've heard it's really cool. What's the course in Eastern Oregon that has the goat caddies? Yeah. Is it Sylvie's Ranch? Yeah, uh, Sylvie's Valley Sylvie, Ranch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've heard about that one. I've heard people bring it up, and that's the one. Every time I hear, like, go caddies walking around, yeah. it's beautiful, like, out in the middle of nowhere. We need to do a, a segment on that. Because like, like there's some guys Burns, from, right? from Bandon. Yeah, there's some guys from Bandon who are connected to that place now. Okay. I'll, and I want to learn more about it myself. <laughs> Outside of what they have goats for caddies. Isn't that cool that golf has these places that, you, that just kind of cause you to be like, What's going on there? Yeah. Like, what is that all about? I want to go check that out, yeah. man. Yeah, when you think about let us know, Accurate City Golf on Twitter. Like, are there mysterious courses out there, or you, to use your phrase, these mythical lands on the <laughs> golf landscape that you just hear about, and you're like, I, I, I need to know more about that. O- outside of, like, there's, you know, the main staple names we all want to go play, obviously, that, you know, we don't know a lot about what goes on at Augusta and that kind of stuff. But he's like, I had never heard of Ohoopy before. My mind is racing right now. When I was a kid, (laughs) Waverly used to be that place for me when I was a little kid before I caddied there and played there that like you drive by it, um, like through Selwood there as it, as it transitions into Milwaukee and you just sort of look in and be like, I wonder what's going on in there, you know? Because <laughs> you're never going in there unless you live there or you're a member, yeah. right? You're not driving down that road. And they'd have the flat, the W, like yellow flowers, yeah. like insignia out on the outside. Like, God, it looks like a cool 
So I, it's, it's funny that even <laughs> courses that are here in town, like if you're a kid or maybe if you've never even been to Waverly, you might still think this, like you just wonder what's going on in there. Sure. What's the and backstory? It, it just makes you want to want to get in there and check it out. So let us know what your mythical land course is at Grip City Golf on Twitter. Uh, before we close up with some PGA storylines, uh, you, you found out or another but why. You came up with another but why. And this one might be my favorite one we've had in a while because this is something that is near and dear to my heart. But I, I'll let you set it up for our listeners. What is your but why? This week. So my but why this week is why do certain golf courses fit your eye? In other words, like if someone has a history, especially on tour of playing well at a, at a certain venue, most of the time they'll say it just fits my eye. And I, I find myself saying that sometimes. And then I kind of pause and think like, well, maybe I've just played well there a few times and it was a coincidence, but maybe it really does fit my eye. <laughs> I just started wondering, like, what goes into a course fitting your eye? Is it a type of tee shot? Like, if you're a cut guy off the tee, if there's a lot of dog legs right, then maybe that's why it fits your eye. I, I just started thinking about what is the criteria for a course fitting your eye? I, I think it is, first and foremost, what you highlighted. How do you, do you play well at that course? And if you do, it's going to be confidence and you're going to feel good and you're just going to step up to tee shots knowing I've hit this a million times. I know I can make this shot. And you just have a certain level of confidence that maybe at a course you don't know very well doesn't come with that. So I, I think that's the first thing you have to play well. The, the other thing, though, is I, I think certain aspects of not only tee shots but approach shots in your shot shape. Like, like I am a, I'm a right-to-left guy, and if I play a course that has a lot of right-to-left holes or that I know I can miss right-to-left or there's a bailout right-to-left and there's not water or out-of-bounds on those holes, I'm going to feel far more comfortable, and it's going to fit my eye a lot more than it would if it didn't have that. And so I there, there's a ton of courses, and even in inside courses, there's holes that fit my eye and don't fit my eye. You know, there's holes that I think like, I all love a stretch of six straight holes. And then there's two or three holes that have out of bounds on the left. And I'm like, Oh God, don't get that. Don't overcook a right to left shot. And it's like in the back of your mind. And it just doesn't fit my eye mainly from a confidence standpoint. But I, I think we all have that of you just, you feel comfortable looking at the, looking at certain holes, looking at certain approach shots and, and knowing that my golf game and my shape is going to fit this hole. Well, so then it, so it sounds like if, if a course like if like you said, if you can err on like a, hitting it right a right to left shot, and if it, there's room in in those areas that it fits your eye, my problem is that my misses aren't consistent. <laughs> so, <laughs> so then that's not to say that sure. no course fits my eye. Maybe there's some. I feel like the courses that fit my eye are the ones that have I have positive memories of playing well there. Yeah. But I've the courses I've played a lot, I've probably played just as many horrible rounds as I have really good ones. So <laughs> you just step up and you feel good. We gotta get we gotta get rid of that two way miss, you know? It's the, it's the most frustrating thing in golf. It, that is probably the most frustrating thing about my game is I when I yeah. stand on the tee, I feel like it's gonna go well. I'm an optimistic person, but when it doesn't there's no predicting if it's gonna be left or right. I just don't know. <laughs> See and I can't remember the last time I sliced a golf ball. I can't, but I can, tell you, I can tell you a thousand times in the last year that I've ducked hooked one out of bounds left because yeah. <laughs> that's just the way my swing goes yeah. right now. Uh, so I, it is interesting, but I think confidence is a big part of it. And playing well at those courses uh, is a big part of it. Before we close up, I know we, t we talked about it and touched on it on the last episode, but I asked you the number one storyline going into the PGA Championship, and you gave me uh, you know Tiger and Scotty Scheffler and some of the things keeping on. My number one storyline was Phil and what he's going to be and what he's going to say. Well, I think right after we got done taping last week, we found out Phil Mickelson, not through him, not through his agent, but through the PGA Tour of America or PGA of America, a statement that he won't be there 
I just I'm curious as somebody who's been around golf a long time at you know Golf Channel and media jobs and PR jobs all that kind of stuff. What what do you make of this of somebody who a year ago was you could argue on the top of the sport and now is as big of a pariah as we've ever seen in golf. I think that he listened to our podcast and that was the final, <laughs> that was the straw that broke the camel's back. He's a P1 like of the Grip City Golf Podcast. We know this. But, but like you said, what was interesting is that it didn't come from him. So like that, that to me was the, the first thing I thought of when I saw that announcement was from the PGA of America. Because then if it's like, if, it's, if PGA of America is the one saying it, it almost sounds like they were involved in that decision, which would be really odd. Um, but, and I, I can't think of a scenario whereby the PGA of America would have been involved in that, you know, um, like the, the, the open championship didn't grant Greg Norman an exemption to this year's open championship. And so they were the ones I think that said that he like politely isn't allowed, but that was because they were involved in that decision of whether or not to let him play in the open championship. But I'm trying to understand um, how the PGA of America could have been involved in Phil's decision to play or not to play. And, and it's 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 bizarre for me to think that they ever would be, because um, I mean he's been through, said some controversial things and he's been raked over the coals here the last you know, several months. But I, it's I wonder if how much of it is just him saying I need to just live in hiding for a little while, and how much of it is people on the outside, whether it be the PGA of America or the tour or his sponsors, saying, "Dude, you need you need to back away here." Um, but it just seems like if it was Phil just trying to get his own head in the right space, and this was all personal for him, that why wouldn't an announcement like this come from him? Sure, it's just a statement on his Twitter handle at Phil Mickelson. Here, I'm not playing this weekend. And just do like a nice long letter. You know, yeah. people love um, redemption. They love to forgive, especially a guy like Phil who kind of has that reputation of being very relatable and just someone that we always kind of root for him. Right? Um, it just seems like he could squash this with something like that. Um, just saying that he's thinking about his career and his fans and he just wants to kind of take it easy with his family. Kind of, you know, whatever PR fluff you want to throw in there. Sure. Just to kind of like set the ground, the, the groundwork for, hey, this is what I'm going to be doing. Um, it's just, this thing's bizarre, man. And, it, and, it, and every time it seems like it gets weirder, it does. And um, you and I were talking last week on the pod about what, like, is he going to play? You know, you were yeah. saying that that was a, like, and I agree. It was like one of the biggest storylines going in is like, is he going to play? Which it seemed like we thought, we kind of thought he would. He's but a defending it, champion. When we, was the last time we saw a defending champion, not yeah. because of injury, not playing a tournament. Yeah. It's bizarre. And then, yeah, I just go back to like, what, is, where do we go from here? You know, is he going to play in the LIV tournament in London? Is he going to play in the one in Portland, Oregon? <laughs> You know, as he's drifting further away from the PGA of America, the PGA Tour, you know, a conspiracy theorist might say, well, that's because he's going over here to the LIV camp. I I, I don't know if you can predict what's going to happen next. And it, it is really bizarre, like you said, like considering this time last year, he was like the talk of the town um, in the golf world. And now he's in hiding. And, <laughs> and, I, and alive? I don't know Do what's we know if he's alive. Like, yeah. Nobody's seen him in public in two, three months. It's absolutely bananas, man. He was he was Arnold Palmer thumbs up and everybody at Kiwa Island a year ago, and now nobody knows where he is. So and 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 you hear of of stars falling down, but there's just something about Phil that you didn't expect it to be him. You know, yeah. and we're not talking about like 
something with drugs or alcohol or something with his family. It's That's the unique one with this one is that you've had guys, you know, Tiger's downfall, you know, infidelity, the accident with the, you know, seven iron going through his window, the DUIs, like there were certain actions like that. Or, you know, NFL players, this happens all the time. Like, you know, somebody beating his wife or getting, you know, a DUI, those kind of things, right? Like it's, it, those are pretty easy controversies to see and say, how could you do that? What were you thinking? And it's it, kind of easy to label it into one box to see somebody have this level the controversy over comments in a book it's i don't know it's it's a unique one right I, I, I was talking about on the radio show this week of like another person that got in trouble for comments to this level and john gruden came up but that was like emails getting unearthed kind of thing and, and he did he lost his job because of the emails that were found so that was a good analogy but outside of that like it's just it's hard to think of somebody else that has has been basically blacklisted from the sport over comments made in a book, which I disagree with 100%. But to your larger question, and nobody knows how to predict the future, just it's just crazy to wonder where does it go from here? Is it done for another? Does he fade away for a year and then try and come back? Some What's people the are thinking like, that, like, is he going to play ever again? Is he ever going to show up again on the PGA Tour? Right. I mean, it's... It's absolutely bonkers. Well, we're not going to see him this week. That much we know. Uh, last one for you. Does Tiger make the cut this weekend? I don't know. Come on. Come on. Of course, my heart says <laughs> yes. I I think, like, going into the Masters, my, I, I said this on, on our pod, that I was really interested to see how he was going to do hitting shots around the green to see if his touch was there. And I think he proved to us all that it was. My question going into this, it'll be interesting, and we'll probably see it on the front nine of his first round, is how does he do hitting a four iron out of long rough? Yeah. Because that's not a shot that he ever had to hit at the Masters, and that's a shot that might. I mean, I don't. I don't know the the specifics of where his pain points are in terms of hitting certain types of shots, but I just wonder if if you get a thick and juicy lie in the rough, and he has to really <laughs> go down and get after it how his body is going to respond to that. Yeah, to get thick and juicy into this one. I love it. It's got to be a running theme. Hashtag thick and juicy. Do you think he's going to make the cut? <laughs> I do think he's going to make the cut. Yeah. I do. I'm not going to put a bet on him to win because then you're just throwing money down the drain, I feel like. Um, but I, I do. I, he showed me at Augusta that it, the game is there to come out and, and fire off, a, you know, 72-71. And, and we'll see what the cut line is after Friday. But I, I, I think it's there, man. It's going to be fun. PGA Championships this weekend. Well, we'll be back next week uh, with another new episode. We'll tease that one uh, on Twitter so you can keep an eye on it. But really excited for the next guest. It's going to be a lot of fun. We'll break down the PGA Championship and all that. And a, and a sincere thank you again to, to Matt Lemon and the folks at Jones Sports for letting us hang out, showing us the place. It's, this is sweet. And if I don't walk out of here with, like, five new golf bags, I, <laughs> my wife is going to call me and wonder, what the hell is going on in our garage, man? This place is sweet. It's badass. It was fun to be here today. So thanks again to Matt Lemon and uh, Jones Sports. And uh, as always, buddy, hey, uh, go find those thick and juicy lies. All right, man. Get rid of that two-way miss. <laughs> and uh, we'll talk again next week. Sounds good, bro. Thanks, as always, for listening to the Grip City Golf Podcast. I hit it hard, man.